sometimes Jesus is a weirdo, isn't he? Today, the way that he chooses to heal this man is to take his fingers and put it in his ears and then to spit and to touch his tongue. How many times have we heard Jesus heal people just by saying, be healed? We hear of the centurion's daughter being raised from the dead without Jesus being anywhere near the house. So why is he being weird in putting his ears in the man's, the fingers in his ears, spitting and touching his tongue? Why does Jesus heal in this way? Well, first, the way that he uses spit is that it was thought to have healing properties. And so what Jesus is starting by doing, by taking this man away from the crowd, is that he's proving to him that he's a healer, just like the other healers around. He's coming to him first as somebody who's trying to heal his physical ailment. But what doesn't fit right after is the words that he speaks. You would think it would be like, hear, or listen, or speak. But instead he says, be opened. What does that have anything to do with his loss of hearing and his inability to speak? They don't fit. Jesus starts at addressing his physical ailment, but then he brings him to something more. He's moving from his humanity into the faith that he's trying to draw him into. See, what happens in Jesus, what we believe as Christians in the incarnation of Jesus, is that the creator of the universe takes flesh in Jesus. What is almighty and all-knowing becomes man. And Jesus comes to us, who are weak human beings. And he comes to us in his humanity. But he doesn't want to just keep us there. He wants to draw out from us the reality that God has made in us. Be opened. He wants to lead us to more. But the problem is, is that with original sin, with the remnant of original sin in our life, with our choice to sin, we shrink the world. We shrink it more and more. How many of us would like to reclaim the innocence of children? But our life experiences, our wounds from broken relationships and circumstances that have hurt us, kind of make us a little jaded. They make us put up barriers, protecting ourselves from hopefully not being hurt in that same way a second time in life or a third time in life. We use our animal instinct of trying to protect ourselves from what can wound us to build up barriers in our life. But what ends up happening? We block out God in the process. Because what we do as human beings is whatever we deem to be true in our human experience, in our human relationships, we translate to God. And so if you struggle to be open to another human being, Guaranteed, you're going to struggle to be open to God. They go hand in hand. And so what Jesus is trying to do with this man 
and with every one of us, is to come into that brokenness, that woundedness that we have lived through in this life, in the imperfection of this world, and to show us really the innocence of children again. The worldview that allows us to see things as God sees them all over again. That's not an easy thing to do because we protect ourselves. If you're wondering where in your life you have wounds that you're not letting God address, here are some ways that we protect ourselves. Some of us pull back. We become distant. We disengage emotionally from relationships or situations. Because if I don't feel it, then it doesn't hurt so much. And so we pull away emotionally in our relationships and in the different situations in our life because it's safer not to feel it. That's a wound. Some of us, we numb the feelings. We use things substances to take away that edge that comes from the wound that we're carrying in our life. And we can numb it, and we feel if we can numb it long enough, then we can get through life. Some of us rebel, that our reaction to the wound is to push back against whatever wounded us. And we will do the exact opposite of whatever that person that wounded us did or that situation, or that institution, we will rebel against it. Some of us become very judgmental on ourselves, on other people. The degree of judgment that we have on ourselves, the degree of judgment that we place on others, is directly related to our woundedness. Another way is being passive-aggressive, one of my personal favorites. Passive aggressiveness is just trying to bury your resentment over something in your life. And there are more. There are many more. But those are some of the few ways that we attempt to protect ourselves from the wounds that we still carry within us in our life. And if we are protecting ourselves in life from those things, then we're actually keeping those things from the healing power of God. And what Jesus is doing today is he's meeting this man in his humanity to allow that healing grace of God to open him up to the world again. In the rite of baptism, we actually have the aphatha rite, the be opened rite that comes right at the end. And this is the prayer that the priest prays. The Lord Jesus made the deaf hear and the mute speak. May he soon touch your ears to receive his word in your mouth to proclaim his faith to the praise and glory of the Father. So what the priest does is he signs with the cross over the ears and over the lips. But in the old rite, the priest grabbed the ears and he would lick his thumb and put it on the child's mouth, mirroring this healing miracle of Christ. Now, for obvious reasons, we avoid that. Even more obvious in today's day and age, but it's the idea that we need to become open. That's part of the work of God in our life, is to reopen us up to the full breadth of what it means to be human. That our sin actually robs us of the fullness of humanity. 
and our woundedness, whether self-inflicted or inflicted by others, shrinks our world more and more. St. James today uses the example of the homeless. I spent four years, my first four years as a priest downtown Edmonton at the Basilica, and so I had a pretty significant interaction with the homeless on a daily basis. It was interesting to see the parishioners of the Basilica come and go when we had the homeless in the church. We were pretty lenient about their presence loitering in the church during the winter months for obvious reasons, and so they would often just sit on the front steps just inside the door, staying warm. Some parishioners would walk in the door and when they saw who was sitting there, because it was familiar faces, they'd intentionally walk further away. Some would pretend like they didn't even notice that they were there so that they didn't have to acknowledge and quickly scurried into the church. Other people gave kind of a, a smile and a wave but kept walking. Some people were angry that they were even there, that they were getting in the way, that they were smelly, a little drunk, hanging around. Some people took the time to talk to them, got to know their name, got to know their story, gave them something to eat. I can tell you in my experience with some of them that came there more frequently, there was one man who had a better understanding of Scripture than most Catholics that I meet. And he asked me for a Bible. There was another man who I think was probably still strung out on drugs when we talked in my office, and he gave the most intimate description of the Blessed Virgin Mary that I have ever heard from somebody's mouth. We don't know. The world is so much bigger than our own minds and our own hearts can contain. And that's what grace wants to do for us. God wants to open our mind, open our heart, open our bodies to live the human life the way that he intended it. The human life that we see in Jesus Christ and in the Blessed Virgin, the fullness of what it means to be alive and to be human. But we close our minds when we tell ourselves, like, I'm not enough. I'm a failure. I can never get things right. We're closed. We're not letting God touch that part of our life. We close our hearts when we say, I won't do that. Or, they're evil. They're the wrong ones. We close our bodies when we say, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough skills or abilities to do those things. Obviously, there's some human limitations, but we put way bigger limitations on ourselves than probably are necessary. God desires to open us up to something bigger than our own minds, our own hearts, our own being can foresee until we actually let ourselves be drawn there. Jesus comes to meet us in our humanity so that he can draw out from us the divinity that has been marked on our very soul through baptism, through confirmation, and through every sacrament that we receive. So here's my little challenge. I told you that I'm going to talk a lot about confession. 
when you come to confession, what is it that's hard to confess? Are you letting that wound be exposed to the grace and mercy of God? Those sins that you confess kind of abstractly and very generically, I'm angry. I have lust. I lie. Yeah, we all do. What's your sin? What's your struggle with anger? Why are you angry? What is it about lust that you hold on to? What part of yourself feels the need, the compulsion to lie instead of tell the truth? Let it be opened to God. For those of you that struggle to come to confession, remember who you're coming to see, the healer. That's why we go to confession, to let that part of ourselves be opened so that the healer can heal us. If we never let that part of ourselves be opened, how can the healer do anything for us? And why? To be fully alive. That's the goal. That's the promise. So, don't do it all at once, because if you look at all your wounds at once, it'll crush you. It's not fun. But little bit by little bit, in prayer. God, this is a wound that I know that I have. But is this the whole thing? Am I fully aware of what my wound is? What's my brokenness? Grant me the grace to give it to you. Let me be open to you, to others, and to the world.